Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. Thank you for joining us today. We are going to be going over Mark chapter 6. Before we jump into the book of Mark, remember you can scan the QR codes that are on your screen there, and you can listen to our podcast on Google, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audible, and Blueberry. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. If you are listening to us on a podcast, please be sure to join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. as we will be live either interviewing somebody or going over the Bible. Caleb and I pick different subjects. Now, a new thing just came out. <clears throat> we just got stickers in. So these stickers are UV rated. You can put them outside. They're waterproof. And I'm going to give six of these stickers away to whoever comes up with the best comment or question during any live video that we do. So please, whether you're on Facebook or our YouTube channel, uh, be sure to comment or ask a question. And then you can PM me and give me your address and I'll mail you off a half a dozen stickers. And we would ask that everyone that get those stickers, please do not vandalize places, but put them up someplace that is legal uh, where nobody is going to take them down and lots and lots of people are going to see them. So somehow be creative with that. And we want to get people scanning that QR code and listening to our podcast. So that'll help us uh, spread this Bible message around a lot. So whether you listen to us on a podcast or uh, you watch the video live on Facebook or YouTube, you can always get in touch with me at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. I'll be happy to send you some stickers. We also have business cards. And on the business cards, uh, there's a little QR code, and that'll bring you to a YouTube video. And it asks, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven if you died today? And my name and phone number are on those. And the YouTube video uh, is me giving the gospel. So we'd ask that you'd spread those out. We can try to get the gospel out to the world. Thank you for joining us again. Let's jump into Mark chapter 6. This is a chapter that we run through. Very little prep has been done by me. We're just trying to give you guys some Bible that you can go through when you're getting some windshield time in uh, driving or whether you know, you're know you on the job by yourself, you can put in those earbuds and you can listen to some Bible. So Mark chapter six, if you got a King James Bible, start with me in verse one. And he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, From thence hath this man these things. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Before we get into verse 4, which is an exciting and powerful verse, let's just go over this idea. Number one, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Technically, he had half brothers and sisters. Because remember, Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, he was given to Mary by God himself, by the Holy Ghost, Mary conceived. This was a messianic prophecy that was fulfilled. And this obviously is important because this doesn't happen very often. 
But one of the things you got to remember is that very little is talked about between Jesus's life from about two years old up until he is a fully grown man at 30 years old. And that's it says that when he was about 30 years old, he began to preach. We read about that in the book of Matthew. And when you read through the Gospel of Luke, there's one incident that Luke tells us about when Jesus is 12. But other than that, very little is told to us about the early life of Jesus. I would render a guess that his life was not that easy. Where he was from was a small town. <coughs> Everybody knew everyone's business, and it was no secret that Mary was pregnant prior to getting married to Joseph. Joseph, being a good guy, did not want to uh, put away Mary publicly. Uh, he wanted to protect her, so he was going to separate from her privately. And then the angel came to him in the night and said, don't do that. This baby is from God. So Joseph stuck with Mary. But the fact is, everybody in the town could do simple math. And they realized that Jesus was born uh, less than eight months after Mary and Joseph were married. So you got to remember, stories went around that Jesus was an illegitimate son. There were going to be times when his brothers and sisters came home and one of them went to their mom and said, hey, uh, we heard that Jesus is not really our brother. We heard that nobody knows who his father is. What's going on with that? So Jesus, I would assume, had to deal with some of that. He probably didn't have the easiest childhood because of that. Now, picking it up in verse four, Jesus is, like it said, returned back to his own country. So the people here in verse three, it says, and they were offended at him. Now, notice back in verse two, they were asking, where did this guy get this wisdom? And how is he doing such mighty works from his hands? So they saw miracles of Jesus. They heard the teaching of Jesus. They were impressed by it. They recognized that he had wisdom and they were offended by it, which is just a shame. They were judging Jesus based on where he came from, who he was, the job that he had growing up. And they looked at Jesus to some degree to be kind of a second class citizen. And they didn't like the idea that he was showing up and performing miracles and teaching them from the Bible on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And he seemed to have the power of God around him. And, and, and the people that saw Jesus grow up as a little kid were offended. They were thinking to themselves, how on earth is this kid who we know, we saw him growing up, how is this guy acting like a prophet of God? This just doesn't make sense. We don't like it. Now, in verse four, verses four and five and six, I think are just phenomenal verses that really stick out. They're very telling. So let's read these. Verse four, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he, notice this, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Couple things here. 
Number one, Jesus reminds us that a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, amongst his own kin, and in his own house, and how true that is. All the prophets struggled with this. Pastors and preachers struggle with this. And the problem is there are a group of people that knew this person from when they were young, and they have trouble recognizing that this person could be used greatly of God because they knew him when they were a little kid and they would fall down and skin their knee and cry to their mom. And they were like every other kid in that, you know, kids are just kind of dumb and they do dumb things and they mess up all the time. And so the people that Jesus grew up around, it says he was not able to do mighty works there. That blows me away. It doesn't say that he chose not. It says, and he could there do no mighty work. Save, he healed a couple people, and that was it. And then in verse 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Do you know that that word marveled is only used twice in all the Gospels? Jesus only marvels two times. One right here in Mark chapter 6, verse 6. The other place, if you want to look it up, is Luke chapter 7, verse 9. And that was that Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion. So Jesus was impressed both times, one by the faith of the centurion, which was great, and once here because of their unbelief. Jesus couldn't believe how great their unbelief was. It's really a, a condemnation of these folks. All right, now let's move on to verse 7. and. And this is some neat stuff here too. And he called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wow, that is saying something. So let's start in verse 7 couple things. Number one, they were sent out two by two. So this is something that we see several times throughout the Bible. They were sent out two by two to be witnesses. And we see this all the way through to the end of the Bible in Revelation, where there are two witnesses. If you're going to ask me why this is the case, honestly, I don't know. I'm sure I could look it up and find a good answer for you, but I don't have one. The other thing that we want to notice is that he gave them power over unclean spirits. Personally, I believe that this power was temporary. Jesus did not give them power over unclean spirits like Jesus had for the rest of their lives. What Jesus did was he sent them out two by two to spread the gospel and to go to all the different areas in Israel to heal the sick and to uh, proclaim who Jesus was, that the Messiah was here. And for a proof, just like when Jesus began to preach, to prove he was God, he performed miracles all over the place. That gets everybody's attention. 
everybody's going to show up and they're going to listen to what you have to say if you're performing miracles and healing the sick everywhere you go. So Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits for this pur purpose. Another thing you notice in verses eight and nine, he tells them, don't bring this, don't bring this, don't bring this, don't bring this. You can wear some sandals. Don't even bring two coats. And one thing that I believe God asks us every single day is, do you trust me? Do you believe that I will provide for you? And Jesus was telling them, you don't need to bring everything you would normally take on a journey. I am going to be with you. You have the power. Just go. You're going to be taken care of. I think he was building their faith. Then we read in verses 10 and 11, the idea that wherever you go, you're going to proclaim the gospel, but there's going to be groups that aren't going to want to listen. When you run into those groups, you're simply going to leave. You're going to shake off the dust from under your feet as a testimony against them, and you're going to move on. And this is something we as Christians need to be able to do. We want to spread the gospel everywhere we go. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want to get people saved. We want to teach them the Bible, tell them about God. These are all great things. This is one of the reasons we're put here on earth. But we're going to run into people that just don't want to hear it. And that's okay. We don't get a say in that. Our job is just to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus and what he did for us when he bled and died on the cross. And we're going to have people that are going to resist that. And when we run into them, we just need to shake the dust off of our feet and we need to move on to somebody that's ready to hear it. Something you learn when you're, when you live in a farming community, when you're around agriculture, when you live in the country, when a fruit or a vegetable is not ripe and it is not ready to be picked, there is nothing you can do. You just have to give it time. And if you force it off the plant, it's not going to taste good. Part of it being ripe and ready to go, it comes off of the plant easily and it tastes great. And that's what you run into when you're giving people the gospel. You can't force it. You can't force the petals of a flower open. It's just going to happen in its time. So we're going to share the gospel when the people aren't ready. That's fine. We're just going to move on to fertile ground. We're going to find someone who is ready, and it's going to be wonderful. All right, let's pick it up in verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded, he is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias's sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him, and would have killed him 
but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes, which sat with him, he could or he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. That was a lot of verses. I understand that. But now let's go through them one at a time and let's see what we can learn. In verses 12 and 13, we notice that the apostles, when they went out, number one, they preached, and number two, they told people to repent. The people needed to recognize that they were lost and whatever they were putting their faith into was not going to suffice. It was not going to uh, cleanse them of their sins and see their souls saved. They needed to turn from whatever they were putting their faith in, and they needed to turn to Jesus. They had to make a decision to now put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. The good works weren't, weren't going to do it. The false gods weren't going to do it. Their religion and what was asked of them wasn't going to do it. They couldn't give enough money. We can't put our faith in all those things that don't work. We have to put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus did the work on the cross 2,000 years ago. Praise God. I don't have to work my way to heaven. What I need to do is believe that Jesus is God and he bled and died on the cross and three days later he rose from the dead. So that is what they were preaching, that people needed to repent. They needed to change their mind and put their faith in Christ. And it said that they cast out devils and anointed many that were sick and they healed them. So they spread the gospel. It went really well. Lots of people heard it. Lots of people brought out their sick. Uh, it was, I'm sure, a wonderful time. Now, we get into this guy, Herod. So I'm going to briefly, I have some notes here that I set up so I could explain a little bit about Herod. First thing you need to know is that there are a half dozen guys named Herod in the New Testament. And whenever you read the name Herod, it is not always talking about the same person. So that, that name is a family name, and we need to go over this. So Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great by a Samaritan wife. When Herod the Great died, the Romans divided his territory among his three sons. Antipas was made tetrarch of Perea and Galilee. And this Herod, Herod Antipas reigned during the whole period of our Lord's life on earth. So whenever we're talking about the time of Christ, this is Herod Antipas that we're dealing with. But you got to remember, uh, Herod the Great, I believe, was the uh, 
grandfather. No, the he was the father of Herod Antipas. So you read about several Herods. Herod Antipas is the one that we're talking about. He was a horrible guy. He married the daughter of King Aretas IV, and then he divorced her so he could marry Herodias, the wife of his half-brother, Herod Philip. This is who we're talking about during this story, okay? Herod, Herod's brother Philip, and his former wife Herodias, who now Herod Antipas was married to. And the daughter of Herodias was this girl who was dancing, and I already forgot if they named her or not. All right, let's move it along. So a couple things. So Herod had John the Baptist thrown in prison. Why did he do that? Hmm. Herod didn't like the idea that John the Baptist had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. That's in verse 18. You got to remember it was against the law of Moses. Herod was not allowed to do this. He didn't care. Herod didn't you know, play by the rules of Moses, even though he was technically a Samaritan, uh, which was half Jewish. It was also the group that the Jews didn't like. We're not going to get into the Samaritans and where they came from and how that all works now. Just understand that Herod only was Jewish enough to uh, make his life easy for himself. And he only did uh, what the Bible said or what the law of Moses and the prophet said when it was convenient for him. And he wholly ignored uh, the, the Tanakh whenever it didn't work out for him. And this is one of those cases. He divorced his wife. He liked this other gal. It happened to be the wife of his half-brother, Philip, and he ended up marrying her. John the Baptist, I would have loved to have listened to this guy preach because he did not care. This guy would let her rip and he would tell you what God said. And that was the end of it. And he didn't care if you liked it or you didn't like it. And he got thrown in prison and he got his head cut off because of it. America needs more fiery preachers that will get thrown in prison and have their heads cut off. Now, I know we're not really in that place where that's going to happen. But the point is, we need more fiery preachers that will tell it like it is and preach the Bible without, you know, making it soft and get people upset about it. And that doesn't have to be the goal of a preacher. But if a preacher is telling you what the Bible says, lots of people aren't going to like it, especially guys like Herod. Anyway, my point is, John the Baptist's awesome. And I love when I run into preachers like him. So this is some neat stuff. When you get down to uh, verse 20, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him. Herod, it seems, secretly would listen to John preach and teach the Bible. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Herod Antipas enjoyed listening to John the Baptist preach. Why? I don't know. But either way, he was offended by it. He threw him in jail. And then this unfortunate series of, of events where uh, John the Baptist ends up dead. So the daughter of Herodias came and danced for them. Keep in mind, this is nothing that the Jews would have allowed for a woman to dance as entertainment in front of a bunch of men. Those kind of things were completely forbidden. And everyone was pleased by it. And then 
uh, Herod uh, made the mistake of saying that I'll give you whatever you want as a gift up to half of my kingdom. And she went back to her mom and said, what should I ask? And the mom said, get me the head of John the Baptist. Now, believe it or not, that's actually quite a compliment for John the Baptist, or at least his head. That means that his head was worth half of the kingdom of Herod. Either way, John the Baptist is now dead, and the head is brought to uh, Herodias by her daughter. And, you know, this is obviously terrible news. John was a prophet of God. I hate to tell you, if you want to recognize who's a prophet of God, it's usually pretty easy. The one that they kill. Uh, they killed the prophets all the way through the entire Bible, all the way up to John. Uh, the prophets get killed. That is usually the fate of the best prophets. Let's pick it up. In verse 29, and when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran. Uh, sorry. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So Jesus gets word that John the Baptist is dead. Now, what was the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus? They were cousins. Jesus's mother, Mary, was sister, was sister to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. So Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Uh, my, you know, um, yeah, they, they were cousins. You know, Joseph doesn't, I don't think, bear any um, mention in that relationship. So Jesus was obviously disappointed, upset, sad. Uh, but you find out that in the book of Mark, it doesn't describe him weeping, doesn't describe him mourning. Um, I don't know if maybe that's because Jesus knew what the fate of John was going to be after he was arrested by Herod. I think it was probably only a matter of time. So then uh, the people uh, see him and they follow him and they go into a desert place and Jesus had compassion on them because they were like a sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Picking it up in verse 35, and when the day was now far spent and his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past, send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? So. Jesus makes a ridiculous suggestion, one that anyone should have known was not going to work, because he was saying that you need to go and get the, why don't, just go and, go and get these people food to eat. And 
I mean, it was a crowd, and we're going to read this in verse 44. It says, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. That's not including women and children. So when you're doing math in the Bible, it is a conservative guess that you double the number, and that would include all the women and children, but you could also make a case that you could easily triple that number and you could have up to 15,000 people here. But even if you just went with the number of 5,000 people, there were 12 apostles with Jesus and Jesus said, go and get these guys something to eat. We're not talking about 20 people where we can just order a couple pizzas and it'll be okay. And we all chip in five or 10 bucks and everyone gets dinner. This was a laughable suggestion. And they even make mention unto him how much money they would need in order to be able to afford food for all these people. And they're talking about putting up some serious cash, an amount that was ridiculous and they didn't have, in order to uh, feed all these people. You got to remember a penny worth is what was considered a day's wages. And they were asking Jesus, I think they said, should we just go into town and buy 200 penny worth of bread? We're talking about close to a three quarters of a year's wages in order to try to feed all these people. It was just, it was just impossible. So then uh, Jesus has another idea. In verse 38, he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Now, again, I mean, this is absurd. Like, we're not carrying enough bread to feed 5,000 people. Have you ever been in a crowd of 5,000 people? You ever been to a professional sports game or a concert or, or something? It's a lot of people. So in verse 38, and he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, five and two fishes. And I believe they said that with some pretty thick sarcasm. And they sat, uh, and verse 39, and he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. So this is a remarkable uh, miracle. And we're going to see that there is another one that happens, I believe, in chapter 7 when Jesus feeds 4,000. No, maybe it's, yeah, in chapter 8 he feeds 4,000. But this is, this is the first one. This is the miracle where he feeds 5,000. And I wish I could have been there because I was wondering what this looked like. But it, I, what it seems to be, because you got to remember that there were 12 baskets full. So Jesus took these two loaves, or there these five loaves and these two fishes, and he broke them into pieces and put pieces in everyone's basket. 
And he said, okay, there you go. Spread out, feed everybody. And the apostles were walking around and they'd take some out of the basket and they'd give it to somebody and they would look and reach into the basket and there was more bread and fish. And they would give that away and they'd look in and there's more bread and fish. And no matter how many times they went back to the basket, there was only more and more and more to the point where when they were done, they still had 12 baskets full. Now, if you want to go over the number 12 and in the Bible, it's a pretty popular number. You got 12 tribes, you got 12 apostles, you have the 12 uh, kingdom of heaven parables, you have the 12 kingdom mysteries, you have the 12,000 that were sealed from each of the 12 tribes in Revelation chapter 7. New Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21 has 12 gates, 12 foundations, and it is 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000 furlongs. The number 12 shows up in the Bible a lot, and I'm sure someone smarter than me could tell you a little bit about what that means, but I am just going to move right along because we still have several verses to go. So let's pick it up in verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before onto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. We should stop right here and we should notice if you are doing a Bible study on prayer, you need this verse in there because when Jesus wants to pray, he would send everyone away and then he would climb a mountain so he could be by himself. There's nothing wrong with prayer meetings. There's nothing wrong with prayer groups. There's nothing wrong with praying with your family. All of those things I think are wonderful. But one thing we find when we look at the habits of Jesus in prayer is that he would often get alone so that he could spend some time praying. Take that for what it's worth. That's just what the Bible said. And in verse 47, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. couple things to notice. Number one, they were toiling in rowing. Now let me just tell you something about a ship. The only reason you would take down the sail and maybe lower the mast and be rowing is because it's a really bad storm and you need to keep the ship pointed into the waves so you don't capsize. So this goes to tell us how bad of a storm this was. And Jesus comes walking out on the water and it's so funny to me that it says, and would have passed by them. Jesus was not concerned at all about their safety and the storm. He wasn't worried about it. They were scared to death. So they cried out because they didn't recognize it was Jesus. And then Jesus told them, be of good cheer, be not afraid. And we find out that anytime we see an angel, anytime Jesus appears in a manner that is supernatural, like 
walking on water or the Mount of Transfiguration. It is a time when people are kind of scared and they have to be reminded, be not afraid. Verse 51, and he went up onto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Let's start on the sea in the ship. They were afraid. That's why Jesus said, be not afraid. And then the wind ceased and they were amazed. Jesus stopped the wind and the waves. And this is just my imagination, but I would bet that when Jesus stopped it all, it was so calm so fast that it was just dead silent and the sea was calm and smooth as glass. And this caused everyone to recognize this guy's got power over the wind and the waves. This guy's in charge of everything. And believe it or not, these guys were scared and it says they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. I think after the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, they went onto the boat and Jesus was kind of giving them a little test to see what their faith was like. And they failed. Because when they were out there with the wind and the sea and it was scary and, and I, had, I, I think they had good reason to be scared but they still hadn't come around to the point yet where they weren't worried and they didn't care for their life because they knew that God was with them. So then they go round about the whole region and everybody that has heard of Jesus starts bringing their sick and everywhere they entered, the villages, the cities, everyone laid the sick in the streets and besought Jesus that they could just touch him because they knew if they could just touch the border of his garments, they would be made whole. The funny thing is that the people in the cities and the country and the villages demonstrated more faith than the 12 did that were on the boat when the wind and the sea came up. Because everybody in the countryside said, whoop, Jesus just showed up. Grab your sick right now. Stop what you're doing. Grab them, pick them up, put them on a blanket, carry them, drag them, roll them on out. Because if we can just get you to Jesus, he's going to fix you. He's got the answers. He can heal you. He can take away the pain. He can take away the paralysis. He can give you your sight. We've seen him raise the dead. This is the guy. We got to do this right now. They had faith. They knew 
that Jesus was God. These people believed. Okay, thank you everyone very much for joining us for Mark chapter 6. We'll get into Mark chapter 7 sometime next week. Uh, Be sure to follow us on one of our podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, or Apple, uh, Stitcher, Audible, TuneIn Radio, or Blueberry. You can find us pretty much any place that uh, you can find podcasts to listen to. And on top of that, if uh, you want to be a supporter of this program, we will take your money. You can go to Patreon. We are under Bible Thumper Podcast, and you can sign up to donate whatever you want to us. Sign up and send us in a dollar a month. It would help, believe me. And we will be happy to send any of our uh, supporters some stickers or anybody that listens to us on Facebook or our YouTube video, uh, whoever comes up with the most clever question or comment, you are going to get a sticker from Bible Thumper. Actually, I'll mail you a half dozen if you want. Just get in touch with me. You can email me at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com, and I'd love to send those stickers out. Please do not use them to vandalize, but please find a clever place to put them where lots of people are going to see them and no one's going to take them down and they're not going to bother anyone because there's a QR code on there and you can scan it and it'll bring you to Spotify where you can follow this podcast. So you'd be helping us a lot. So again, thank you for joining us here at Bible Thumper where somebody's got to say it. Have a good day.